89.9 The Light. This is Melbourne's positive radio station. It is so good to have your company in community conversation with Clayton. And joining us is a couple who truly are all about community. They are the founders of Operation Stitches, Chris and Patrick Templeton. Join me on the line. G'day, guys. Hi there, Clayton. Good evening, everyone. It is so wonderful to have a chat to you both um, as we talk through Operation Stitches. Uh, I've known about you guys for a little while now and uh, I'm really thrilled to be able to have you on uh, to chat through it. Maybe uh, if we start with you, Patrick, if we could, could you talk to us a bit about what actually Operation Stitches is and then we'll sort of maybe get you, Chris, to take us through how it started. Okay. Okay, well, uh, Operation Stitches is a uh, registered charity. It's a public benevolent institution, PBI, and uh, it's uh, formed to reach out to the disadvantaged communities. And uh, our target has always been from the very beginning to the um, city of Yarra public housing estates. Yeah. And why that specifically, Patrick? Why was that the area that you said, hey, this is just where, where our heart is? Well, when we first um, had the nudge to really do something, um, we just thought, I mean, we, we were based at uh, Hawthorne at the time. Our church was in Hawthorne. And we thought, where, where, where are the children? You know, we wanted to focus on the, the young people especially. And we thought, well, where's the biggest pocket of young people and uh, where we, we thought was the greatest needs with those young people? We just thought straight away the public housing down there in the in the in the city. Yeah, um, Chris, that's great to say. Look, you know, this is what we we wanted to do something. We thought, here we go. Um, let's go and make a difference here. How do you actually go about starting something like that, though? It's great to have the <laughs> idea, but how did you actually go about delivering that? Oh, Clayton, we had no idea what to do. <laughs> we absolutely no idea, but we had the heart. We wanted to make a difference uh, in the next generation. So it's what you do, isn't it? You step out. Yeah. And so we had another wonderful couple with us at the time. And so we did a little practice runs in local park to see you know, what it would look like because we didn't know. Uh, and then we went to Collingwood. Well, on that first day, we had around about 200 children come. And it was like, oh, okay, uh, now what do we do? And you know what, Clayton? We're still saying, oh, now, what do we do? <laughs> because the needs are so great. And yeah. so that is what we have always attempted to do is listen to the community and then respond to the needs of that community. Yeah. Uh, take us through uh, some of the things that Operation Stitches is now actually doing. And I suppose let's talk sort of pre-COVID for the moment. We'll, we'll talk about what's happening during COVID. So what was the, the actual sort of uh, activities and the work that was happening? Uh the activity, it's been a long story for us, Clayton, and I'm not sure if you're aware of the story. We had a warehouse in Richmond, and that was servicing the Richmond, Fitzroy and Collingwood communities. But in 2016, uh, it was a very sad time for us. We were forced to close due to a lack of funding, and we ended up selling everything uh, in order to recover that debt. So in 2017, we thought, well, what is it that we can do now? Mm. And the greatest thing is we have relationships 
we don't have any resources anymore. We don't have any um, people to help us anymore. So the two of us went knocking on the doors. We have beautiful relationships with these people. And the first dawn we knocked on, the mother just burst into tears and said, we never thought we'd see you again. Mm. And that really broke our hearts, but it encouraged us at the same time. Yeah. And we began, yeah, we had had relationships and we had a home. So up here in Doncaster, uh, we just bused the children to a home and began a kids club. So that was 2017 and 18. You know, prior to 2016, we had hundreds and hundreds of kids coming in so many programs. We were going at least five days a week, sometimes six, with the various programs to from little preschoolers right through to the 180 program, which um, just helped the youth and met the needs of the young people of the estates. So, uh, of course, that all went. And so we had to start again. Yeah. And it was just last year that we had the opportunity of um, setting up a bit of a base there in Collingwood. And we uh, then began tutoring. Uh, I'm a passion for tutoring, passion for education. And it's a real way, a passport for their futures uh, is education. So we began and without any um, promotion or advertising, we just said, okay, just did a few kids there from the kids club. And there were 23 that came on that first night. But within a couple of weeks, we had 125. And we began the, the tutoring program, a women's program, uh, we've now got a men. We've got a number of programs now running. The women's program, of course, we can't do uh, during COVID, mm. but we are ready. We are so ready to get back out in the community with a number of programs and even reach out back into Richmond and Fitzroy. Yeah, that's great. Um, you know, uh, uh, one step at a time. Yeah, wonderful. We're going to be back in just a couple of minutes' time with Chris and Patrick, uh, who are the founders of uh, Operation Stitches. We're going to be talking to them about the impact of COVID on these uh, people that they're working with all across this city and specifically in Collingwood. We know that at the start of the lockdown uh, that our housing estates were the ones that got hit the hardest. We'll be talking about that and some more of the programs and even how you could get involved. That's on the way next here on 89.9 The Light. In conversation with Clayton. Melbourne's positive radio station is 89.9 The Light. You're in community conversation with Clayton and Patrick and Chris Templeton. They are the founders of Operation Stitches. They uh, join us on the line as they talk to us about the work that they're doing among the disadvantaged families living in Melbourne's inner city public housing. Um, Patrick, maybe we'll just uh, quickly highlight why is it actually called Operation Stitches specifically? Where did the name come from? Uh, well, really, it came from a, a trip that we did to the US, and uh, we came across an organisation that was reaching out to, they call them the projects over there, project uh, areas, and so that's like their public housing, and they, they they were called Operation Stitches, and we, we liked that name. So uh, basically, as Chris said earlier, you know, when we started this, we, we had the heart for it, but we didn't really know what to do, and so we just re- we started copying them in that sense and and just uh started going out there and and uh following some of the steps that they had until we got a strategy of our own so um i think it's it's a great name stitching up people's lives and yeah. 
and uh, it's just it's catchy for the kids. They like you know we we just but basically we call stitches more than operations. Yeah, stitches out there. yeah, it's great. Um, Chris, wanted to ask you as well. You mentioned it a bit earlier on that you know that there's a there's an aspect of you know you guys going to church and the the heart of what you're doing is is it a faith based part of what you do the the reason you do it and I suppose the second question with it is is it actually a, a faith based sort of organisation that you're actually running as well? Um, yes, we, we began from a church, but I, we went ended up um, going full-time into Stitches. And I guess the, the passion we have is to just make a difference, to touch lives and to meet needs. So, um, yes, it's the, the love of God that really drives us. But we don't go out and we don't preach and we don't, um, you know, present the gospel because we really come in contact with so many different people and cultures and faiths. And we just, it, we're all, we're all one. We don't see those differences. We just see people, we see humanity, and we just want to be able to do whatever we can do in order to help people and to uh, just see uh, a smile on their face and a change in their lives. Yeah. So I guess, um, I don't know if that's the answer to your question. No, that's but- yeah, absolutely. Just to, to, to hear how it is and, and how, how you're running is wonderful with it. Um, Patrick, I'd love to ask you as well about, you know, obviously at the start of this lockdown, um, the, the first group of people who got locked down in, in quite a severe way uh, here in Melbourne were those in some of our housing estates. Um, you're working with people in these situations in the inner city public housing uh, all the time. Can you just take us through, I suppose, we were hearing a lot of the, the consequences and the impact of that. Can you just take us through what it was actually like? Well, uh, we weren't involved with the uh, Flemington, of course. That was probably the hardest lockdown that we uh, all experienced there. But every every part of the uh, community, of course, is affected with the COVID. And uh, we're at Collingwood was no different in that sense. I mean... Uh, just think about the fact that they they all live in little small units, very small units. Some of them have lots of children, and you know they have to be confined to these small quarters for for weeks, and, and it ended up, of course, it ended up months on end. And uh, the biggest part, I think, was the fact that they were not really allowed to to come outside and play on the and play equipment in the park and and those sorts of things. Um, we we recently have heard some stories of families where the children said that they haven't been outside their homes since January. I mean, that's it, it, uh, hard to believe at times that they, they can be so, a lot of children so like um, hindered with that, so, you know, to be cut off from community and have to be uh, locked inside like that. Yeah. Uh, the other aspect was, of course, you know, a lot of our programs we couldn't run, like we were running, you know, we we're doing a lot of community programs prior and, and, and uh, tutoring, etc. And uh, so, you know, we looked at, there were needs presented themselves to us. We saw that there were people that were disadvantaged, mostly single people that were uh, cut off from many of the, the feeding programs that were available to them prior to the, the lockdown, where they, they, where they could get uh, food and lunches and things, where different uh, organisations were providing it throughout the city. But they were locked up and closed down because they were no longer able to to really have them come and, and enjoy those meals. And so we 
straight away thought, what can we do? And we so we reached out and, and started doing some hot lunch packs and handing them out to uh, those that were, were not getting good good meals anymore and, and uh, basically, you know, disadvantaged and, and not being able to buy good good food. And uh, we started doing that. We, we started handing out um, uh, masks and uh, sanitizer and, and just encouraged the community as we handed these things out to stay covered and stay clean and stay safe. And uh, so, you know, it really affected a lot of uh, what, it goes on down there. But, uh, you know, it's a matter of, you know, we, we thought, well, what can we do? And we saw a need. And I think that's really the hardest stitch is we always look for a need. And the greatest need was then to create a, a Zoom program where these children that were locked up uh, in their homes, that we could communicate at least through them through a, a, a Zoom program. And so we began a, a series of three nights a week doing Zoom programs so we could keep not only them connected with us tutoring, but also we connected them in groups with other of their friends that were in different uh, homes and locations. Yeah. So that was a, a lot of what uh, the effect was down there at uh, at that time. Yeah, and I'm assuming that, those pro- that that sort of work is still continuing even to today. Yes, it does. Yes, yes, we, we, we're still doing that and... Uh, um, you know, it's so so worthwhile. You know, to to, to help people. It's, that's what it's all about. And that's uh, you know, people they come and they're so appreciative that uh, people are are helping them. And and so um, yes, we're we're doing what we can. We can't you know we can't do all that we did, but we can do much still within our community. Yeah. We're going to be back in just a couple of minutes' time with Chris and Patrick Templeton. They're the founders of Operation Stitches. We're going to hear some of the stories of lives changed through the work of uh, the, the incredible path over the years of Operation Stitches. So that is on the way next, plus how you can get involved as well, at making your difference felt too. That's on the way in a couple of minutes' time here on 89.9 The Light. In conversation with Clayton. 89.9 The Light. This is In Community Conversation with Clayton. It is so wonderful to have you on a Sunday evening. You can text through your questions at any time for any of our guests, 0428 899 899. And we're currently having a chat to Chris and Patrick Templeton. They're the founders of Operation Stitches. They work specifically with uh, those families uh, living in Melbourne's inner city public housing. And uh, we've been hearing so, uh, some of the work already uh, over the years and then also uh, specifically during COVID that they've been doing. Uh, I'm wondering, Chris, if we could come to you to, often I say, look, you know, sometimes the, the way to understand a, a big work that is happening is to actually look at one person's story and the change that has occurred for them. Is there someone's story that you just absolutely love sharing about, the, the, you know, the change that has happened through the work of, of Operation Stitches? Oh, Clayton, there's so many. Um, so to pick one out, I guess I could uh, just share with you. It's a, a really a very recent uh, connection or reconnection. But uh, one of the uh, families that were living in one of the public housing estates that we were working with, um, they had a fairly rough sort of a, a childhood. She's now... Um, early 20s and we've been in contact a lot over the years through Facebook uh, and we met up and she is so keen and so wanting to come back and to help Stitches and change their lives and 
um, like her life was changed. She's doing so well. So many of the kids are doing so remarkably well. And, and what we keep saying to them is make good life choices. And then we begin to tell them what those life choices are. And it's choose who you run with and dare to dream, do the right thing, make the effort to win. And we just repeat these things over and over to them. And it's remarkable when you hear that they, they've got these sayings on their uh, as their um, desktop page and they uh, remember them, they laugh every time we see them again because they know what we're going to say. You know, are you making good life choices? And they are, so many of them, not all of them, of course, but if we can just change the life of, of a number of these kids you know, it's well worth it. We have a lot of contact still with them. Just yesterday, we had two of the mothers contact me. Today, I had another mother contact me, just thanking them for what we've done in the lives of their children, that they've made good life choices and they're doing well. They want to tell us that they're doing well now. And it's so incredibly rewarding. It's been a lot of hard work, but the rewards far out, out you know, like yeah. the the um the work or, yeah. or the difficulties we've had over those 25 years yeah. there's a lot of children there that so have a, so appreciated uh, the effort um you know on a daily basis we're hearing from them yeah um Patrick, what about for you? Is there one story that uh, you sort of, you know, when people find out a bit of the work you do, you go, look, let me tell you this person's story. This is this is why I, I do what I do. Well, look, you know, there is. I just just uh, not long ago, we were walking through the park at uh, Collingwood, and uh, all of a sudden, you know, this guy approached me, this uh, African guy, and uh, you know, he's probably about twenty years old now, I guess, and he came up to me and and he said, "Do you remember me?" and you know, of course, you know, they, they change as they grow up. We just get older, you know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah. I said, no. And he re, he reminded me who he was. He said, I used to come to your programs. I used to be part of this and part of that. And you told us about good choices. And he said, I, I want to just tell you what I've done in my life. And I, was, I, want, I just want to thank you for being there for us and telling us about making some good choices in life because he says it's made such a difference. And that was such a blessing to hear that because that's really... The, the, the effects and the fruit of it. You know, you, you're so into these lies when they're young and uh, that's that's the results. You know, you put positive things into the minds of children and when they get a bit older, you know, it sticks with them if you can keep with it. And we had, just if I just say one more quickly, there yeah. was a, a mother just this week. Uh, she stopped me and she said, oh, you know, is that, are you with Stitches? I said, yeah, we are. I said, and she said, I just want to tell you that my kids, uh, used to come, they've grown up now, but they used to come to your program and uh, be part of uh, all that you were doing in the parks and in the hall. She said, I want to just tell you that, you know, those four children, they've made good choices and they're, they're, do they're going well in life and I just want to thank you for, for being there for them. So just wonderful to hear those sorts of results. That's what it's all about is, is lives changed. Life changed forever. Yeah, absolutely. So looking forward to hearing more of the stories that are coming up as we, we go. And isn't that great to be able to hear some of those uh, stories that come back to you? We know we don't always get those stories in some of the work that you're doing and, and others who are, are doing it to, to change this world. You know you don't get to hear them, but to hear a few of them here and there is always wonderful.
Uh, we're going to be back in a couple of minutes' time with uh, Chris and Patrick Templeton from Operation Stitches to find out specifically how you can get involved in some of the work that they do, but also their take on the current situation for those that they're working with in the inner city public housing uh, through the, their understanding of COVID and the way things are happening. What would be, you know, if we gave them a magic wand and said, look, Here's your wish list of, of things that could occur to help uh, those in that situation. What would it be? Their take on that next here on 89.9 The Light. In conversation with Clayton. On 89.9 The Light, you're in community conversation with Clayton. It's so, so good to be with you for a Sunday evening. Uh, we love having a chat on a Sunday uh, evening to whole host of people doing some remarkable work around this world. And today we're talking to the founders of Operation Stitches, Patrick and Chris Templeton, uh, and their work is right here in Melbourne, uh, working with those disadvantaged families who uh, are living in the inner city public housing areas and some incredible work that they've been doing for the past 25 years. Um, guys, I, I do want to ask in a couple of moments' time uh, how people can get involved and support the work of Operation Stitches, and I know there's a few different ways that people can do that. Uh, but before we do, just to, to ask, I suppose, if if you had a, a magic wand right now, uh, the government gave you a magic wand and said, look, here, you can wave it over anything. For the, the people that you work with, um, here's the one thing that we can do for you best. What would that actually be? Well, Clayton, I think um, what would be on our hearts the most that we would say would be to have our big community centre back that we used to have down at Richmond. We used to have a, a community centre there, as we said earlier, down at uh, uh, right next to the Richmond public housing estate. And that was decked out, especially for young people. Uh, we had uh, uh, pinball machines in there. We had a big cafe in there. We had a stage and we had rooms in there. We do many programs and, and et cetera. And so... Um, as Chris mentioned earlier, we, you know, through lack of funding, we, we had to step away from that building. And, uh, and so, you know, we, we have got a building in Collingwood. Uh, we're thankful for that. It's given to us free of charge, but, you know, it is limited in space. And we would also like to get back to Richmond. That's, that's uh, our heart is with that community as well. So I guess that, that, if you, that question is, what would we, uh, the magic wand, what would we do? It would be to have another facility. We need a large facility uh, in the inner city that we can run our programs from. Yeah. And specifically during COVID as well, so sort of to then now narrow that even more, is there something specifically with the communities that you're working with that um, during COVID would be the the best benefit for them too? Uh, I think right now there's not a lot we can do uh, until the we come out of stage four, out of stage three, out of stage two but I think that for what we are doing right now is just encouraging encouraging connecting encouraging we can't go and see the children but we can we can call them we can um, meet with them on zoom that is the greatest thing and to constantly put out there before them this is what we're going to do I know on Patrick and my heart one of the first things we'll do is to provide little mini camps and we'll get the children and out and very possibly into our home and have a weekend of just fun. They need to laugh. They need to connect with their friends. And I think that is a huge need for, for these kids. And that's what we want to do, run some mini camps, 
we'll get our programs back out. We don't think we'll be able to do our massive Christmas party in December, but we don't really mind. We can do Christmas anytime. And so as soon as we can, we may be doing our Christmas party. We don't want the kids robbed of that annual event. So we may well do that in February or whenever we can, whenever the restrictions allow us to do that. Uh, we've, got, we've got the women's program that we're waiting to open up. There's a parenting program. There's a paint and sip. There's a, an area for the elderly. So while we focus on children, we're really holistic. We, we, we love the whole community. And so there are a number of programs now that we want to launch. We're ready, Clayton. We are ready to go. And we're just waiting for that time. Yeah, that's to excellent. To be able to open up and get back with the people. All we can do right now is encourage them. We can go down there and see these beautiful people. Every week we were feeding between 70 and 80 a week. Uh, and we want to, we, we can connect with them and encourage them. Uh, we give out little cards that says, you know, today may seem like the end, but it can, uh, it can be the beginning of something great. You know, just the encouragement that they need. Uh, there's uh, so much negativity. There's so much fear down there. Um, and I'm a little bit concerned that even when the restrictions do ease, that many, many of these families will still not, or will take time for them to get out of their homes and back into the community again. They're going to have to be encouraged to do that yeah. uh, because they're so frightened um, and they're, they're withdrawn. So there's a lot, lot, lot to do uh, as we come out of our COVID restrictions. Yeah. Now, uh, for people to get involved, I know that, uh, you know, you are a charity-based organisation and not-for-profit, so people can donate. So we want to know where they can uh, give those donations. Uh, so that's one way I know definitely can be be uh, done. Uh, I, I know you've also ran a lot of volunteers in, in time. Is that something you're still looking through and, and preparing for post-COVID world? Uh, what are the ways people can help? Yes, it is. It, we, uh, well, people can help by going to our website, stitches.org.au, and uh, certainly can, uh, up there they can either make donations of, of money or they can sign up in voluntary roles. And, uh, you know, wh whatever we do, we always need uh, volunteers in, in numbers. And uh, part of what is happening right now is the fact that uh, we are strengthening our foundation, I guess, to, to be able to be effective in, in all areas that, uh, that will enable us to really launch out in a bigger way when this COVID is over. Because, uh, you know, a part of a charity work is not just out doing the, the contact with the people. Uh, behind the scenes, we need people to help us with fundraising. We need people to help us with administration. We need people to help us with graphics and, and uh, events, planning and all those sorts of things. So there's many opportunities if people want to help us either financially or with voluntary help with their, their skills to come on board with us and uh, strengthen uh, our work so that we can not only just continue to do what we're doing, but we want to be able to do uh, greater work as we go on. Yeah, it's excellent stuff. That uh, website, once again, stitches.org.au. Chris and Patrick, it has been so wonderful having you on today. Thank you for the work that you're doing, even during COVID as well, and uh, continuing that remarkable work here in our very own city. God bless you both, and thanks so much for your time. Thank, Thank you, you so much, Clayton. Thank you, Clayton. Thank you. Thank you, everybody.
stitches.org.au.